Brianna. And I'm Homer. You're listening to Life on the Margins, an urban native experience. In this podcast, we discuss issues facing the indigenous community and all marginalized communities and what we experience every day. For this episode, Homer and I sit down and discuss his career as a native comedian and actor. He shares with me how he got his start in the entertainment industry and even tells some jokes along the way as laughter is some of the best medicine. I'm excited for y'all to hear this one. So let's jump into it. All right. Hey, Homer, how are you? I'm doing well, Bree. How are you? <laughs> I am good. Uh, so why don't you kind of let our audience, our listeners know a little bit about yourself. Who are you? My name is Homer Shadowheart. Uh, I am one of the hosts of Life on the Margin, an urban native experience. Yeah, we had some trouble with that. <laughs> <clears throat> Resistance is futile. Um, I am Susquehanna Anawashabe, uh, the Mad River Clan. I am a comic, a musician, a writer, an activist, and an actor. Awesome. Um, and so today we're going to talk a little bit about you, you, you and your life as a comedian. Maybe we'll get into some of your acting. You can share about that too. How long have you been a comedian? I have been a comedian since 2005. Wow. Yeah. What, uh, what got you into that? It's a great story. I want to hear. I I think our listeners want to hear. 1999, um, I was a juvenile diabetic. I was in need of a kidney and pancreas transplant. Uh, I received said transplant in 1999. And in the process of doing the nine and a half hour surgery, they positioned my arms in the wrong way Mm -hmm. and paralyzed them both from the shoulder down. Uh, actually telling me two days after the surgery that I would probably never move them again. Wow. Uh, which I can move them very well now. You are moving your hands um, very well. Yes, yes. That's <laughs> how we talk. Um, <clears throat> uh, but it, it's not perfect. I've got probably 90% of my right side back and maybe 70% of the left. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have to share this because you go through a lot of physical and occupational therapy. Uh, The first occupational therapist I saw said, we have a questionnaire we have to fill out. You answered the same one when you started physical therapy. I'm like, okay. She goes, I'm gonna ask you all these questions, but one, I've already filled the answer in. I'm like, oh, okay. Which one is that? She goes, "Uh, what level do you wanna get back to? I just put to go into the doctor's office that caused this and raise both middle fingers. And I'm like, yeah, that works. Um, which I've done. So, <laughs> and that was the birth of your comedy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, probably like five years after that, uh, my ex-wife mm-hmm. were, and I were talking. She was still my wife at the time, um, and she said, "You know, I bet you really miss being on stage." I was a working musician when this happened. Um, I was playing pretty much all the time. Yeah. And uh, that obviously stopped. Uh, nobody can play bass with their nose, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> But she said, you know, you're kind of funny. Maybe you should do comedy. And kind of funny is a glowing endorsement. So (laughs) I took a class at a comedy club just to try and get my foot in the door. And uh, that didn't work, but that's another story. Um, And I I really haven't looked back. I've been writing and telling jokes ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. And such an interesting story. I don't know if... I don't know what a lot of people's background is in terms of how they get into things, but just like, you know, that you had this physical ailment and like had the surgery, which led you into sort of joke telling and all of that is really cool. And, uh, it's exciting to hear that you still 
of course, do it today. Yeah. Um, it is not your day job though. Like no. your, your day job. Yeah. So how does that work for you? Sort of balancing the work of like a 40 hour a week day job with doing comedy? A lot of making up time. Yeah. Um, luckily my employer is pretty flexible. Yeah. Uh, and honestly not telling them the truth sometimes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> They're not listening. Maybe they are. <laughs> sometimes having a physical ailment helps. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But in, in, in all honesty, I think they would be fine with it either way. Um, I'm the person they come to whenever they need something done. So mm -hmm. they realize so you're an they're, asset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're maybe a couple letters off, but um. <laughs> there we go. We're getting jokes in here. Perfect. That's what I wanted. Um, yeah. So, I mean, do you aspire to to do comedy full time? Is that something that you had hoped to do at one time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's still I mean, it's still in the back of my mind, you know. That would be great. That would yeah. be great. But, um, you know, I'm remarried, uh, right, right. and she likes to see me for some right. reason. Who would have thought? I know. Uh, I warned her going in. I'm kind of a jerk. <laughs> She's like, no, you're not. Yeah. And sometimes though, it's crazy. Cause you think like, oh, I want to do this thing that I love, um, full time. Right. And then, but in some ways it's, it remains special when it is not your full time 48 hour week too. So there's always that really, and, and that might not be the case for you. And it's such an interesting place to be when you aspire to kind of do the thing that you love full time and get paid for it. Um, you mentioned um, your wife. Um, does she go to a lot of your shows? Is she super supportive of your comedy? She is supportive, but she stopped going to shows. Okay. Um, and she told me the reason she doesn't is because I tend to pay too much attention to her. Okay. And not... Like, are your jokes about her too? <laughs> some of them are. And and she's okay with that. Yeah. Like I, I run them all past. I run right, pretty right. much every joke past her. Right. And uh, she will tell me things like, oh, that's that's good. Mm -hmm. Or uh, what are you thinking? <laughs> you should never say that again. I get that a lot. Well, honesty's good. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, she, um, she went for probably the first couple years we were dating and then noticed I was auditioning for a booker. Mm -hmm. And like, instead of, you know, smoozing with the, the people I was supposed to be impressing, I was kind of sitting with her going, are you okay? Do you need anything? Do you... <laughs> and she told me, she goes, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. You're, you need to focus on what you're supposed to be doing. That makes sense. She's too distracting. Probably because she's so yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is awesome. Yeah. Everyone hopes they, they like, you know, uh, play outside their league. And I definitely did that. Like the joke I tell is that, you know, I'm like the uh, little football game we had as a kid uh -huh. where the players just spun around on the little electric field. Oh yeah. And she's like the 85 bears. Um, <laughs> and I know I could use a more recent reference, but I couldn't call her the Patriots cause she would never cheat. Oh. So. <laughs> well, I can't, I don't know anything about 85 cause I wasn't alive then. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I guess I, I have jokes too. I'm I'm proud of my age. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So you were native, yes. And you are a comedian, and I am so curious to talk about what that intersection is like. You know, the ups and downs, and what can be difficult about not only being a marginalized person who's also a a, a comedian. Excuse me, but um, what it's been like for you being a a native comedian. Is that something that you kind of 
identify as and kind of go about your acts as like the native comic <laughs> yeah and and there aren't a lot of us you know right. you don't there was a uh, a big show called the uh the what was it the red bone comedy oh uh thing on showtime uh -huh. i don't know 10 years ago probably um but there's not a lot of us mm -hmm. um so you don't i don't <laughs> because as i said i'm an activist too and yeah. i i write what i know Mm -hmm. So I do write about the things I see that I don't like that need to change. And I've been called preachy. Mm. Um, sure. You know, because I'm not supposed to have a voice. Uh, <laughs> and I've, I've never, I've thought this a million times and I've never said this to anybody or on anything. But you have this, this true piece of crap in like Louis C.K. that makes a joke about, you know, we've known we've been calling the wrong thing for 500 years and mm -hmm. we don't care. And that's perfectly fine. But if I make that joke, I'm preachy. Right. And it's like, no. Yeah, I'm, not the same. It's it's the same. It's the same joke. Yeah. And I'm a better human being. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> My dog is a better human being than But why it's okay for Louis C.K. to say. And that's, you know, taken as fact. And yeah, very interesting. So that intersection, you know... People have called you preachy. I'm sure, you know, in the acting realm, you've experienced things similarly. Um, you use your comedic platform to kind of amplify indigenous concerns and things like that. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What does that look like? Like, what are your, you know, in my mind, I feel like our audience is like, oh, are you, are you telling jokes about what it's like to be native? Or are you like, you know... I don't know. Like, I, I'm so curious. Like, what are your jokes like? <laughs> I can't even, you know, there's so many things I can think about. Well, and they're not all mm -hmm. that, you know, I talk, yeah. like I said, I talk about my life. Sure. Um, so I talk about, you know, I, be, I talk about being Native. I talk mm -hmm. about Native issues. I talk about the transplant. I talk about having cancer. I talk about my wife, my yeah. family, um, everything. And um, it's, the Native part of it is is partially just stuff that I see in my everyday life or things I can expand on mm -hmm. from my everyday life. Uh, I've been in one feature film, um, so I'm now an actor, of course. I've been in a ton of shorts, mm -hmm. and uh, two of the movies I've been in have actually shown at the Cannes Film Festival. And for our audience, what were those films? Uh, one, the first is called Robot Love from Another Planet. It's a short film, uh, and you get to see the back of my head. Oh, great. And that is it. Is that the best part? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this one is called, uh, the feature film is called uh, On Sacred Ground. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, which I didn't know this. I found out afterwards, yeah. evidently, uh, the Lakota people had kind of a problem with. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm sorry. I, I want to say that here and now. Yeah. I am sorry about that. Uh, I still talk about it in my act because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's portions I bring up in, in my act or you know, I'm... 58 years old. I don't mind saying that. Um, in my life, I've seen uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Burt Lancaster playing Jim Thorpe. Yeah. And you can look up both those names later on Google. Yeah. Uh, I saw 007, Pierce Brosnan playing Squanto. Mm -hmm. And most recently, I saw Johnny Depp playing Tonto. And that one really pisses me off because I was available and nobody called. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> it's like, Johnny Depp, Homer Shadowheart? I mean, uh, come on. Was, what, was Adam Beach not around? <laughs> <laughs> and 
You know, I know we had intended to kind of talk about your comedy, but because you're an actor and because like cultural appropriation is so real in the entertainment industry, can you kind of dive more into your thoughts on that? I mean, I know you, you just named some prime examples, but like, you know, how do you feel or how do you imagine like the broader native community feels when they see this misrepresentation and it almost feels in my mind lazy on, on p- part of the indus- the entertainment industry, but, but then also like a audacity of like, they think they're, you know, they're never going to be bothered with, you know, the, pr- the people who find it problematic because they're sitting on some like pedestal that one, we're never going to be able to reach. Yeah. What are your thoughts on all of that? Well, the first part of that, I, I think, and I, my wife and I talk about this all the time, you know, there's not enough of us to sway a vote. Mm-hmm. So why do anything for us? Yeah. Um, understanding the entertainment business, right. um, you go with who's hot, Yeah. you know, and at the time Johnny Depp was selling tickets. So why not offer it to him? Let's not open it up to anybody else. Um, and it is, it's, it is problematic. I, mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't blame somebody for taking a paycheck, but I can only talk for myself. Mm-hmm. And if I were offered a role that was specifically outside of my culture, my race, I would turn it down. Yeah. Because there are other actors out there that are way better um, <laughs> that could do the job. Well, and, you know, when we're talking about comedy acts, too, like, really, is that the only material that you had was to make jokes about a community that you're not a part of, right? That's so problematic and yet it still happens and you're saying it still happens even here in Cincinnati it would well no I just stopped doing open mics here so well I bet it still happens um, though probably <laughs> it tends to happen more when I'm there yeah oh uh, god yeah they think it's okay because you're there right it's not targeting. that's not okay <laughs> it's not targeting at all um my goodness I'm sure they're gonna listen to this and I'll be hated even more and I don't really care uh <laughs> so oh sorry go ahead um but the movies even uh Adam Sandler, a few years back, uh-huh. had made had written a script. I don't know if it was ever made. I didn't bother uh-huh. to to look for it. Um, the going off of the uh, Magnificent Seven, he was doing the Disgusting Six or something idiotic like that. Mm. And the natives he cast, he gave these just horribly offensive names, and they all walked off the set. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's that's called integrity. Right. You, you're allowed to have that. Yeah. The, you know, I just it's so interesting to me, like, all of this. And have you... Okay, so kind of going back to, like, some of you, you mentioned that you stopped going to open mics. I'm curious, you know, going back to your comedy and your stand-up, have you ever, like, been booked for a gig and then, you know, you, you get there and... Like, it's just a room full of white people, and they're just so frustrated after you're done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) From honest material that you're sharing from your own lived experience, and they're mad. That's just, for one, I just want to preface by saying how messed up that is, but, you know. I still remember this early in in me doing this. I did a show at the University of Kentucky, Mm. and... uh, Booker put me there, and I was like, "Yeah, this is great. This is fine." Um, and after the show, one of the one of the students uh, came up and said, "Thank you for making me ashamed to be white." I'm like, "You're welcome." Yeah, not a bad response. <laughs> and I should I should say that's not really the goal, but if it makes you think mm-hmm. 
about what I've said and you know, you're going home, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Then, hey, I got a laugh and I got you, I made you think. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me that like creatives, whether you're an artist, whether you're an actor, whether you're a comedian, like we can't, we can't ever create material based on our lived experiences because it somehow is, a, is problematic, right? Like whether you're getting up and you're telling jokes about being native or you're vocalizing how native people should be cast in the entertainment industry, in the movie industry, or you're creating poetry or literature around your own lived experience or you're teaching or you're putting up a piece of art or whatever that might look like, how you know, you can't freely do that without someone somewhere being offended because, and, and the true reality is that you are sharing your own lived experiences as a human being in a body, as an identity that you can't change. You know, you can't change the melanin in your skin and the blackness of your hair and the where you came from and who you are, um, just like no one else can. And yet through your outlet, your creative outlet that you've chosen, people still somehow take offense to that because you're supposed to entertain them, Homer. They've paid money to sit and laugh and they don't want to feel, you know, personally convicted or ashamed of themselves. Don't you know that? <laughs> I will say that, 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 and I'm not bragging because I don't, I, I, I have the lowest opinion myself of anyone. Alive. Yeah. Um, I would say 98% of the audiences that I, I perform for are laughing mm. and, and enjoying themselves. Yeah. Um, you can tell afterwards the people that weren't very appreciative yeah. of, of what you were saying. But again, you know, it's not, it's not 100% of my act. So, but I bring it up back, you know, I bring it back up in mm. um, various little ways. Uh, and, and again, I hope, I hope I make people laugh. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the point of it. Mm -hmm. And if while they're going home, they start to think about what they were laughing at, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Because maybe they do start thinking of things in a different way or, or they start to hate us more, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> which is fine. That doesn't waste any of my energy. Right. <sighs> so what would you tell like aspiring comedians or maybe even like aspiring native comedians, you know, who are hoping to break into the industry? Just keep writing. You know, it, it, the old saying is write what you know. Yeah. Um, I think any, any marginalized person that wants to do comedy, don't feel like you have to be an activist unless yeah. that's what's in your heart. You know, if that's who you are, that's who you are. Mm -hmm. It's going to show. Um, but you don't have to go out of your way to do that. You know, it's not, and we've talked about this before, yeah. that, you know, it's not our job to, to educate anyone. Um, but if I can do that and make you laugh, hell, I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, but I think that's important to not put that pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. When I started writing, that's just happened. And, and I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> and then I got laughs from it and I was like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. I've also gotten punched for it, but that's... <laughs> That happens hopefully less so. Just once, just once. <laughs> okay, so far, just once. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um. Yeah, I think that's great because I'm sure there's so many people who are listening or maybe not listening, but, you know, just aspire to take up space in that way and be able to get on stage and 
uh, whether in a comedic, you know, stand-up routine or, you know, on a theater stage or in a movie or, you know, whatever that might be. And they just, you know, don't really know how to take the next step for one, but then they, there's all these like societal, you know, things that they have to then also navigate as a native individual or any marginalized individual at that. Um, just navigating an industry that's ex it literally existed to serve white people for forever. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you, I don't know, be a light or a voice in that industry and help not only facilitate change by existing in it and holding a career in it, but also making jokes about it and lift like, and being an activist in that space too. And I think it's really cool that you bring that into the work that you do because it's who you are. Well, thank you so much for letting me chat with you and sharing with our listeners just about, you know, your experience as a comedian, you know, what, um, you know, what can we expect next from you? What's your next gig? Uh, my next gig actually is until September. Okay. Um, comedy takes the hot months off because mm -hmm. nobody wants to be inside. Yeah. I will be in Niles, Michigan. Um, I believe the place is called Underground Comedy. Okay, cool. Uh, my wife tells me all the time I, I have to learn to put things in my phone and, and plan <laughs> things. But usually like two days before the show, I'm like, oh, I wonder where I'm playing. <laughs> yeah. I should look this up. Being spontaneous is fun sometimes too. <laughs> cool. Well, um, awesome. Well, thanks again for Thank you. chatting with me. Um, as Homer mentioned, he co-hosts this podcast with me. So I was really lucky to get a chance to talk with him about something that he loves very much and does regularly. Um, Y'all can expect to hear more of us in all of our episodes. And until then, we'll talk to you guys soon. This episode of Life on the Margins, an urban native experience, was brought to you because of the support of our amazing community. And if you're interested in becoming a part of our community or donating to the Urban Native Collective, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram or go to urbannativecollective.org. This podcast is also now available on all your major streaming channels. So check us out on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and all the major streaming services. And when you do, make sure you like, subscribe, share, and until next time, talk to you soon.